Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Good evening, everyone. This is Usia Garcia, a fourth grader at Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, Texas. His grandfather told the AP they'd started throwing the football around together calling him the sweetest little boy that I've ever known. Amari Joe Garcia was nine. Yesterday morning, Amari received a certificate for making the honor roll. Her grandmother told the Daily Beast she was super outgoing and a teacher's pet. She was killed while dialing 911. Javier Lopez was 10. He was awaiting a summer of swimming. His grandmother told ABC News he was the life of the party. He loved to dance and play baseball. And he, too, had just made the honor roll. As did Jose Flores Jr., 10 years old. He loved going to school, his uncle told the Washington Post. Eliana Cruz Torres, 10 years old, was a beautiful young girl with a lot of energy, her grandfather told ABC Eliana Eli Garcia also was 10. She had her first communion last year. In a Facebook post, her mother called her a doll and the happiest ever. This is Rogelio Torres, who was 10 years old. His mother called him a very smart and loving child. Alicia Ramirez was a very happy fourth grader. Alejandria Lessi Ania Rubio received an all-A honor roll certificate and a Good Citizen Award on Tuesday. Cousins Jacqueline Jalen Casares and Annabel Guadalupe Rodriguez were both 10 and in the same third grade classroom, according to a CBS affiliate who talked to a family member. And a second set of cousins, Hyla Nicole Silguero and Jace Carmelo Luevanos were nothing but loving baby angels, always had a smile on their face and just full of life. Their cousin said in a statement to ABC News, adding, I can't believe this happened to our angels. Ava Mireles was a teacher for 17 years. Her aunt said she was killed while trying to protect her students, noting that she took particular pride in teaching children of mostly Latino heritage. Mireles, in her early 40s, was also married with a child and was an avid hiker. Her co-worker, Irma Garcia, the two of them are pictured here together, was also murdered yesterday, a beloved teacher. Garcia had taught at the school for 23 years and was married with four kids, and she loved to barbecue with her family. Garcia's son told NBC News that a friend in law enforcement said saw her in her classroom with her body shielding her beloved students. The other children who were murdered at Robb Elementary School were not immediately identified, but they were also just kids, loved and adored. These kids and their teachers died two days before summer break at school where they were supposed to be safe. And they died in a way that is 
uniquely American. As Senator Chris Murphy, who represents the state where we witnessed what we thought was the bottom, the Sandy Hook Elementary School massacre, as he put it with so much moral clarity on the Senate floor yesterday, as he begged, begged his Republican colleagues to just use their power to just try, try to stop this. As he said, America is not unique when it comes to mental illness or the COVID lockdowns that took place all over the world or the popularity of shoot 'em up video games. We are only unique in this one way that when we go to the movie theater or to Bible study or to a concert or to the club or to a party or to Walmart or to a church service or to a day spa or on the subway or to the store or to do some weekend shopping, we are constantly at risk of getting shot. And when we Americans send our kids off to school, when we drop them off at elementary school or high school, they are at risk every minute, every day of getting shot. Only in America. American kids, unlike any kids on earth who don't live in an active war zone, have to do drills to learn how to hide and to go silent if a shooter busts into their classroom. Our kids in the city, in the suburbs, in black neighborhoods, in white neighborhoods, in Hispanic neighborhoods, and in poor communities and affluent ones, all of them are at risk all the time, every day, of being hunted, stalked, and shot. Their teachers, who we don't even pay well, and who some of these Republican governors want to subject to lawsuits, they have to risk their lives and figure out how would they protect their students from getting shot up by some demon, likely armed with an assault rifle that's only different from the M16s our military members use and that you have to keep pressing the trigger. But the outcome, it's the same. The AR-15 shreds the human body. Just think about that. And think about what what that would do to a little 10-year-old body, which is why the families in Uvalde have had to use DNA and scraps of clothing to identify what's left of their babies. And you can't even hunt with an AR-15 because you'd have nothing to bring home and hang on your wall. And yet it is easier to buy one than it is to rent a car, something an 18-year-old can't even do. But that's what our kids risk facing every day. And please, please spare me, but don't politicize this death's BS. Because these deaths... These record numbers of American slaughters are political. They are happening because of uniquely American politics. They are happening because 327 million Americans are essentially hostages to a morally and financially bankrupt gun lobby and the heartless, gutless politicians that they buy and own. And please stop thinking that there is some body count, some level of brutality and carnage that will move them, these Republicans and their two pet Democrats, that the rivers of blood will one day run deep enough and the slaughters tragic enough that these politicians will say, "Okay, that's enough. Let's do something. Because their tolerance for blood and the NRA's tolerance for slaughter are bottomless as is the grief and the torture that the parents of slaughtered children and slaughtered grandmas and shoppers and 
Bible study parishioners, all the slaughtered Americans will feel every day for the rest of their lives. So honestly, to hell with anybody who says don't politicize this. Because these deaths, until we change, until we stop letting this minority of ghouls rule us, this is who we are. I want to bring in Fred Guttenberg. His 14-year-old daughter, <clears throat> daughter Jamie, was murdered in the mass shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida in 2018, which is how I met you, Fred. And if I'm exhausted, you must be enraged and sick of this. Exhausted. So yeah. I'm going to let you uh, talk. No, listen, I'm exhausted. I'm enraged. I appreciate you laying it out the way you just did, Joy. Um, my daughter should just be finishing up her freshman year at college. I spent the past year watching all of her friends post the best year of their life. And my daughter wasn't a part of it. And, you know, you read the names of all those beautiful children and you read their age, 10, 10, 10. But the thing is, it's forever 10. My daughter is forever 14. Every dream, every hope, every expectation that I could have had for her was, was the slaughter. You are 100% correct because I sent her to school. Yeah. And I, listen, as anyone who follows me knows, I'm very active on social media. Joy, I can't find new pictures to use. You know, now that may not sound like such a big deal, but it is. There's no new memories, no new pictures, no new videos. I won't get to watch her graduate college. I didn't get to watch her graduate high school. I won't see her get married because of the failure of legislators to do anything. And I want to be super clear. And I am glad you said this is a political issue because, you know, President Biden being the decent human being that he is last night talked about we. Why are we doing this? We are not. 90% of the American people want this fixed. The House of Representatives is passing legislation. The president has said he will sign it. 50 members of the Senate will sign legislation. So it is not we. Let's be clear on who it is. It is a very contained small group. The common thread in the death of all of these children over all of these years has been Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. And let's be clear. And I don't want to let anyone in Texas off the hook because what they've been doing there. They've been making that a battleground for the loosening of gun restrictions or so that there's more sales. In Texas, you now don't know who buys a weapon. There's no requirement for the permits. You don't know what their intention is. You don't know where the weapon goes. But what we do know is they're having a lot of mass shootings there. And so, you know, Ted Cruz, stay home, shut up. You're going to go to the NRA convention on Friday because that's who you are. Yeah. Abbott, you're going to go on Friday 
because that's who you are. The kids don't matter to you. The voters don't matter to you. The question is, why are you part of that group of 50 that refuses to protect life, that refuses to protect our kids? And, you know, Fred, the thing is, I will revise one thing that I said about that this is who we are, because you're right. This is who they are. But what I worry about and what frightens me, you know, Columbine took place in the state where I grew up in uh, in Colorado. And we thought that was the most shocking thing we had ever heard. Oh, they're shooting in schools. What? You know, it made the administrators where I lived. It was a little suburban town think, Should we get metal detectors in my little suburban town? A totally safe town. Columbine was a totally safe town. So if it could happen there, we were thinking, okay, something's going to happen. And then nothing happened. What scares me, and I want to know if this is what scares you, is that they are ghouls. They have no, there's no bottom. There's no amount of blood and carnage that's going to move Greg Abbott. That little pretend compassion he did today, you saw who they really were when Beto O'Rourke walked in the room, when they started uh, snarling like the of, Confederates, right? Yep. Okay, that's who they are. Yep. They don't care about death. But I worry that the rest of us have taken the anesthetic, that we're just living we're willing to live under their tyranny because the rest of us are not actively willing to remove them from being in charge of us. We're, the 90% of us are living under the tyranny of 10%. How do we stop that? Um, we stop being weak. Honestly, we've given them the platform. We've given them the oxygen to do what they do. And we now need to deprive them of it. Um, you talked about Columbine. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go as far back because to me, there is a defining moment that brought us to where we are today. And it was four days after Sandy Hook. Yeah. When Wayne LaPierre went out and his response to Sandy Hook was the only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. That line had never been said before. Yeah. That was the first time. And they have used that line to bring us to the place where we are today. Over the course of those years, they've talked about we can't do anything now to change because a slippery slope. But the truth is, since that line was uttered, we have been on a slippery slope where gun sales. Heck, when Jamie was killed, 300 million weapons in America. Now, 400 million. We are on a slippery slope and it's taking the lives of our kids. And so, you know what? I say, screw you, Ted Cruz and Governor Abbott. You want this fight? I'm done talking to you. I'm done trying to reason with you. You are who you are. You are as low of a human being as can be. We will fire you. And that's what we need to do. I am not buying into the conventional wisdom of the next election. I think if we keep fighting and giving people a reason to vote, we will have presidential year turnout and we will be okay. Yeah. But we have to give them a reason to vote, which is why Senator Schumer announcing today that there will be votes on gun safety measures, which 90 percent of the American people want, is a big deal, because even if it fails, now the sides are clear. All they've done in these states, including Florida, um, including Texas, is make it easier. Yeah. I mean, Donald Trump is going to go to that convention. Is he going to brag about the fact that under his presidential administration, they made it easier for people with mental health, with adjudicated mental health problems to buy a firearm? 
They made it easier. So yeah. they want to lie and say this is about mental health. Well, then why did y'all make it easier for people with mental health issues to buy a gun? You, that's what you did. They've made it so that you don't even you it, to, this, the person who killed and slaughtered these people um, in Uvalde and the person who killed your daughter and those beautiful kids in, 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 in Florida. Right. At Marjorie Stoneman Douglas mm-hmm. could not mm-hmm. have rented a car. Because they're not 25 and they're they won't pass a law. Not they won't do anything to stop them. They're just making it easier for them to do it again. It was one of the first things he did as president. Okay, was to loosen the restrictions on uh, those with mental illness buying a gun. But one of the even more treacherous things that he did was during covid calling gun shops essential businesses because it led to this massive surge and the surge in violence we're seeing now. And so, listen, they did all that. They did. And and we have to now live with the consequences of that. Um, but, you know, those who won't say mental health, mental health, two thirds of all gun deaths are suicide. So there is a real factor there. We've got to be honest about it and deal with it. However, when it comes to homicide, it's typically the mentally, you know, those with mental health issues, the gun is likely to be used on them. What I would say to this is those who want to talk mental health and not about the access to the gun, ask them what their plan is. They don't have one. It's a BS issue for them so that you and I don't talk about this. But guess what? For the next seven months, We will be talking about this because, unfortunately, Joy, the next shooting is already being planned. Yeah, it will happen again. I want to give you an opportunity having, unfortunately, this is, uh, you know, the mothers of the movement, um, they, they call themselves the sorority that they never wanted to join. And you are in a fraternity that you never pledged and didn't want to join. But now that there are so many other members of this tragic, awful fraternity and these tragic, awful sororities of parents who have to do the unnatural, bury their children. It is unnatural. Um, Can you give them some advice on what happens now? How do they deal with the deluge of of publicity, of reporters in their face, of having to explain, as you do, their tragedy? What are they about to go through? Focus on your families. Be with those you love a lot of hugs, make sure you eat, make sure you drink. I say that because the truth is my wife and I have no idea when we ate, how we ate, how my son ate, but I know people were there making sure we did and making sure that there was food and resources there for us. This country needs to step up and make sure that community has those resources right now because people aren't going to be thinking about going to the supermarket. Um, But I would tell those families. Right now, your world is spinning. It's about getting through the seconds and the minutes. It's not about looking ahead a month from now, a week from now. Get through today. You have a funeral to plan. You have law enforcement issues to deal with. And you have children who need you. And you will need your children. And so focus on the now. I will be there for you later. And I have one last question, because you mentioned your son. Because a lot of people forget that the trauma that the parents are experiencing is double, in a sense, for the siblings who it's you're missing another part. And 
it has to be, you know, it has to be explained to you where your sister or brother is and your parents have to be in this mode of trying to cope and do all of it. Mm-hmm. And then you're still there Absolutely. and needing care. Can you just give some advice on how to care for your, the children who are still in the home and alive? Absolutely. And in my son's case, and in so many other cases, my son was there too. My son heard the bullets that were killing his sister. And so it is a real issue. People think, you know, gun violence is only about those we bury. No, it's all the collateral damage. It is the kids who have PTSD, the community that is traumatized. And and so, listen, it is such a great question. Uh, I, I would just say this. This is a moment where a community comes together and makes sure families are supported. Yeah. But my life now is all about my son and making sure he's okay. You know, I joke all the time that when he was in school, I always used to have my foot up his, you know what? Cause I expected a lot of things of him yeah. after the shooting. I just need him to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know I have talked to Sabrina Fulton about this is also finding that moment when you can let them go to the store, you know, and let them go around the corner by themselves. It changes the way you parent. We have to move forward. Yeah. Fred Guttenberg, um, you're a great man. You're brave. And I don't think I can do what you're doing. I really don't. I can barely read through the biographies of these these children. Um, So I couldn't do what you do. So thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank Thank you for what you do. All right. Thank you, man. I appreciate you. I appreciate you much more. Up next on the readout. Before these victims are even laid to rest, the NRA is planning to throw their big party in Texas this weekend. Two candidates for Congress who are fighting everything the NRA stands for will join me next. Plus. When are we going to do something? I'm tired. I'm, I'm so tired of getting up here and offering condolences to, to the devastated families that are out there. Golden State Warriors coach Steve Kerr says what we are all thinking. The readout continues after this. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Today and every day, Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Lawmakers who oppose abortion are attacking Planned Parenthood, which means affordable, high-quality, basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. The right to control our bodies and get the health care we need has been stolen from us. And now, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills that would block people from getting the sexual and reproductive care they need. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves health care. It's a human right. That's why they fight every day to push for common-sense policies that protect our right to control our own bodies and against policies that interfere with decisions between patients and their doctor. Planned Parenthood needs your support now more than ever. With supporters like you, we can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future. That's PlannedParenthood.org future. 
While families in Uvalde, Texas, are just beginning to mourn the lives stolen there, the National Rifle Association will start its annual meeting on Friday in Houston, Texas. Now, if that sounds ghoulishly familiar, that's because it is. Littleton, Colorado, the investigation, the tension over this weekend's NRA meeting in Denver, and their growing debate about the place of guns in America. In 1999, the NRA meeting was scheduled to be held in Denver, just 10 days after the massacre at Colorado's Columbine High School. At the time, the worst school shooting in American history. The gathering sparked protests as the scaled-back event was held 11 days after the carnage, despite opposition from local leaders. The NRA's then-president, Charlton Heston, tried to play the victim. When an isolated, terrible event occurs, our phones ring demanding that the NRA explain the inexplicable. Why us? Because their story needs a villain. Last fall, NPR got insight into the organization's decision-making at the time over whether to go forward. In recordings of discussions among top NRA brass obtained by reporter Tim Mack, they at one point considered a more sympathetic posture, even considered a $1 million fund to care for the victims. As for the prospect of canceling the meeting, though, here's that conversation. We have meeting insurance. uh, Screw the insurance. The message that it will send is that even the NRA was brought to its knees and and the media will have a field day with it. Ah, yes, Marion Hammer, the real governor of Florida. We should note that NBC News doesn't know what may have been left out of these recordings. But the NRA is once again holding court near the site of a slaughter made possible by their one true love making sure American mass shooters are the best-equipped mass shooters and murderers in the world. And Republicans are lining up to bend the knee. Donald Trump, of course, confirmed he's still speaking. And the Texas Party of Death crew, Senator Ted Cruz, Governor Greg Abbott, and Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick are scheduled. John Cornyn apparently got cold feet. I doubt it was a conscience. At a press conference featuring the trio, Abbott's Democratic opponent, Beto O'Rourke, was having none of their platitudes and feigned compassion. Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me. Sit down. You're out of you're out of line and an embarrassment. Sit down. Next shooting is right now, and you are doing nothing. No, he needs to get his ass out of here. This isn't the place to talk to. So this is totally predictable. Sir, you're out of line. Sir, you're out of line. Sir, you're out of line. Please leave this auditorium. I can't believe you're a sick son of a that would come to a deal like this to make a political issue. Let's bring in NBC News correspondent Morgan Chesky in Uvalde, Texas. And Morgan, you spoke with Beto after all of that contretemps. What did he say? And what's been the reaction in Uvalde, uh, if any? Yeah, Joey, it really was a stunning scene. We saw Texas DPS officers running towards the high school as that exchange happened inside that gymnasium. And then Beto O'Rourke was escorted out by law enforcement officers where we met him in a parking lot. And I did ask him the question, what do you say to Texas Governor Greg Abbott, who says now is not the time to politicize this? And O'Rourke simply said, we have seen time and time again where a shooting has happened. There is a lot of talk. And in his words, nothing was done that solved the problem. And that's why he said, if there is ever a time, now is the time. 
as far as any reaction in Uvalde to that specific moment, the majority of the focus here, Joy, has been placed upon just finding a way to move on. I'm at the Civic Center turned reunification site. Yesterday, this was a site of such anguish. So many families left waiting for agonizing hours to see if their young child had survived this horrific ordeal. Today, with authorities confirming they've contacted every family involved now, this has become essentially a grief center. They've had counselors inside all day long. We saw teachers from Rob Elementary School visiting here earlier today. These counselors are going to stay here for the foreseeable future to help anyone in the community. Meanwhile, every campus remains closed here and graduation has been canceled as this investigation only deepens. Joy. Morgan Chesky, thank you very much. Uh, much appreciated. Pretty horrific stuff that you have to cover, and I want to thank you for doing it. Uh, joining me now, two Democratic candidates for Congress, Daniel Hernandez of Arizona, who's currently a state representative, and Maxwell Alejandro Frost of Florida. I want to thank uh, both of you for being here. Uh, I, I wonder, I'll start with you, um, Maxwell Alejandro Frost. I'm going to start with you. Welcome to the show. Give me what you think about this idea of not politicizing. This is, this is a talking point that goes all the way back, uh, with the NRA saying you don't, this is literally their talking points. The NRA, they responded in 2007 when Virginia Tech happened. This is not a time for political discussions or public policy debates. 2012 when Sandy Hook happened. The only thing that stops a good guy with a gun is a bad guy with a gun. Parkland shooting in 2018. Evil walks among us. God help us if we don't harden our da 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 da. The, the Republicans in Texas, talk about saying don't politicize this, they're all using those talking points in their response to the Uvalde massacre. Let's take a look. We know from past experience that the most effective tool for keeping kids safe uh, is armed law enforcement on the campus. You know, inevitably, when there's a murder of this kind, uh, you see politicians try try to politicize it. Evil will always walk among us. We will continue to discuss with legislators about all the potential avenues and pathways that we can take to make sure that schools will be even safer going forward. Check, check, and check, Maxwell Frost. They're, they're, they're rolling out the talking points. How ironic is it for politicians who do a press conference surrounded by other politicians saying don't politicize this and then using their talking points? Yeah, well, the reason they don't want to talk about the politics is because they know it's bad politics, right? They know that the majority of Americans, including gun owners, are for things like universal background checks. They know that people have had enough of these shootings. And so, of course, they want to kick the can down the road. Of course, they want to yell at people like Beto, which, by the way, a huge thank you to Beto on that work. That's what we need from our leaders. And the NRA has been spewing the same talking points. You know, I've been in this fight for 10 years since the Sandy Hook shooting happened. And we hear the same thing time and time again from this organization. And, you know, my message to gun owners, too, is the NRA doesn't care about everyday gun owners. They care about everyday gun manufacturers. They're here to ensure that this industry makes money Mm -hmm. despite our children's lives being at risk. And so we have to continue to fight. And, you know, what we tell people, and we saw those stickers that came out years ago on the ID that says, if I die from gun violence, politicize my death so it never happens again. And my generation, Generation Z, we were born into drills, shooting drills, and we understand that this problem has to stop. And now is the time to talk about the politics and to talk about the solutions. Absolutely. And Daniel Hernandez, you have a connection uh, to one of these shootings um, that, 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 you know, 
nearly killed Gabby Gifford. Um, her husband, Mark Kelly, is now a United States senator. He's been one of the more sensible. Well, he's the other. He's the more sensible senator from Arizona. But the other talking point and the other thing that it does seem that the NRA and their friends do is they try to demonize a group that's already pretty demonized. And that's people who suffer from mental health issues. And they try to put it all on mentally, uh, you know, on mental illness, even though there are mentally ill people all over the planet. And we're the only country that has the mass shootings. I want to give you an, an interesting contradiction from Greg Abbott when he tried that game today because something he said at the top of his thing contradicted that. Take a look. There was no known mental health history of the gunman. We, we have a problem with mental health illness in this community. Daniel Hernandez, how can both of those two things be true? They can't. And that's the thing. Republicans have been using this tired playbook for the last 11 years that I've been involved. Since I was a 20 year old intern and I had to literally hold my boss's head so she wouldn't die. Republicans do this thing where they say, one, don't politicize. We need to respect the families. And then the step two is let's create a smokescreen and draw attention away from the real problem, which is the Washington gun lobby, because what they're essentially going to try and do is run out the clock. So if it's not the time to talk about what's happening in Texas, let's talk about what happened in New York. Let's talk about what happened in Florida. Heck, let's talk about what happened in Tucson, because there are still people who tell me it's too soon. Don't politicize this. So it's this tired old playbook and they talk themselves in circles and no one is brave enough to call them out. That's why people are upset. That's why people are frustrated. That's why people are getting angry and saying it's been a decade since the Gifford shooting, since Sandy Hook, years since what happened in Florida. We need our politicians to stop kowtowing to the gun lobby and to the NRA and actually start doing things. That's why we need more gun violence survivors in Congress, like Lucy McBath, who just won re-election last night. People like Maxwell, people like me, because we need these voices in Congress. Because unfortunately, it sounds like we're going to need more people who have personally experienced gun violence to actually do something about it. Yeah. And, you know, it's also fighting the the sort of learned helplessness. And I'll I'll go to you first, uh, you know, Maxwell, that people think there's nothing they can do. And so they throw up their hands. But there is something you do. Just replace all the people who refuse to pass gun reform. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, and look, I live in a state where in Florida, where our governor wants the future to be a place where you're forced to give birth. That child goes to school where they can't learn about real history. They have constant school shooting drills until one day maybe that drill isn't a drill. Right. And that's the future that they're trying to build. We cannot let ourselves become desensitized to this violence. It is not normal. And we can't forget that we lose 100 people a day due to gun violence. And even though we have these shootings a lot, y'all, I want everyone to recognize that behind every number, there is a person. There's a human being. And we can't forget that. Last word to you, Daniel. Daniel Hernandez is Kirsten Sinema. Uh, Do you believe that she is serving the people of Arizona with her refusal to do anything on this issue? No, I think the biggest thing right now is we need politicians to stand up to the Washington gun lobby. When we're talking about corporate influence, there is no greater corporate influence than the Washington gun lobby. So we need everyone right now to help elect people who will be champions for gun violence prevention, not just saying, okay, here are the terrible people, people from, you know, all these different states like Governor Abbott, like Governor DeSantis, like Governor Ducey here in Arizona. We need people to stand up and elect more gun violence prevention champions like us because because we need real strong voices that are not going to be desensitized because we can't be desensitized to the violence that's happening each and every single Wishing you both well. Uh, You didn't answer my question about cinema. Very deft. You're already a good politician. Uh, State Representative Daniel Hernandez and Maxwell Frost, thank you both very much. And we'll be back after this. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. 
But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. It should be crystal clear by now that the Republican Party will never waver when it comes to their utter and supine devotion to the gun lobby. It should also come as no surprise that the vast majority of them line their pockets with money from the NRA while actively ignoring the majority of Americans, licensed gun owners included, who want them to do something, anything to help protect American families and children from the scourge of gun violence. Dare to talk about slavery or LGBTQ people's existence or ask that students and teachers mask up or that mask up to avoid a pandemic, and they'll just rush out of law claiming to protect the kids. So fast your head will spin. Ask them to keep your kids safe from guns, and you get crickets. Well, yesterday, Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer decided to put their apathy in the face of carnage to the test. Hours after the devastating shooting in Texas, Schumer took steps to force votes in the coming days on legislation that would strengthen background checks. Now, don't get too excited. The last time they tried this, Democrats couldn't find 10 Republicans with a spine to support that kind of legislation. And without 60 votes, Democrats only have one option, nuke the filibuster. Enter Senators Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, who refused to get rid of it. Why not now? Even with all these innocent victims, you ask? Well, the senior senator from Arizona told reporters, quote, I don't think that D.C. solutions are realistic here. Well, what in the name of God is she talking about? It's her actual job to work in Washington, D.C. and deliver D.C. solutions to the people. Mark Kelly, her fellow Arizona senator, whose wife Gabby Giffords was shot in the head and survived, got a, had a more succinct and astute take. Well, like I said, it's, it, it's nuts to do nothing about this. And you know what? He's right. But the real question is, what are you going to do about it? Are you fed up with their perpetual inaction? Are you fed up enough to do what it takes to finally fire these people? Have you had enough yet? Join me now. Senator Sheldon Whitehouse of Rhode Island, a member of the Senate Judiciary Committee. So we know what's going to happen, Senator. Thank you for being here. There's been failure after failure. Thank you. There's been failure after failure after failure. We can just put it up on the screen after Columbine, after Sandy Hook, um, after, you know, San Bernardino, after Orlando. They, the Senate has tried. They're never they're not going to be able to do it. So then what does this vote mean? And then what happens? Well, what this vote means is the people are on record. And um, that's a worthy thing to do. But at the end of the day, the reason Republicans are willing to be put on record voting against sensible gun laws that will protect children from being massacred in their schools is because of the power of the NRA. And at some point, we've got to go after the tools of the power of the NRA and dark money huge anonymous donations, including some stuff that smells a little bit like it came from Russia, have been the uh, funding 
source of the NRA. They've taken in $100 million in dark money in the last decade. And a lot of it goes right out into Republican uh, elective contests. So Republicans are loyal for that money. They will just come straight to heel and uh, do as they're instructed by their NRA masters. And we can have these continued moments of outrage or we can make a persistent effort to make sure that the dark money tools of the NRA are taken away from them and from other groups that are ruining our democracy with secret anonymous political spending. Is, should we, uh, on the side, which is the 90 percent of, of Americans want there to be some gun reform to protect our kids and be slaughtered in school, should we use the Republicans' tactic? Should people just start suing the NRA when their families die of gun violence? Should they start suing um, gun sellers? Should they start—I mean, it should we—the you know, Supreme Court has said, therefore, the whole lawsuit strategy of enforcing the law. Yeah, as you know, the New York attorney general clobbered the NRA— with a civil lawsuit alleging fraud and going after all the mischief and self-dealing by their corrupt uh, management. So that can be proven to work. And then uh, there was a terrific lawsuit uh, brought against that uh, creepy commentator who pretended that the shooting of the school children in Sandy Hook uh, had been a, a prop, had been a fake. And that the parents who'd lost their children were actors and it wasn't real or they're participants in a conspiracy. And now he's trying to figure out how to get into bankruptcy to hide his assets because he lost because he lied. So, yeah, litigation is a beautiful thing. And courts give people a chance where in Congress they don't have a chance because of dark money influence. Would you do, would, do you agree with me that we essentially if Democrats had 11 more senators, you could pass gun reform, right? Isn't the isn't the the, the Occam's oh, razor yeah. answer to replace eleven Republicans with eleven Democrats, which would negate yeah. Mansion and Cinema? Yep, you change that and everything changes. Frankly, we probably only need about four or five there you go. because I think we could find a way around the filibuster. You don't have to undo the filibuster to find ways around the filibuster and prevent Mitch McConnell from using it as a tool of minority special interest rule. Yeah. So, yes, we could solve that problem if we had four or five more Democrats. You don't have to do 11. You heard it here. You need four or five, everybody. Replace four or five of those Republican senators and you could have the things that you want. Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, thank you, sir. Really appreciate it. We'll be back after this. Thank you, Joy. Cheers. Today marks two years since George Floyd pleaded with Minneapolis police officers to release their knees from his neck and back so that he could breathe as he was pinned to the ground. Two years since Derek Chauvin chose to keep the deadly pressure on Floyd for more than nine minutes until there was no life left in the 46-year-old black man's body. On this anniversary, President Joe Biden signed a long-awaited executive order aimed at overhauling policing. It's a measure of what we can do together to heal the very soul of this nation, to address profound fear and trauma, exhaustion, that particularly black Americans have experienced for generations, and to channel that private pain and public outrage into a rare mark of progress for years to come. This executive order is going to deliver the most significant police reform in decades. 
The order directs federal law enforcement agencies to revise their use of force policies and to restrict tactics like chokeholds and no-knock warrants. It requires the use of body-worn cameras. It also creates a national registry of officers fired for misconduct and restricts the transfer of most military equipment to police. Relatives of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor were there with the president, including George Floyd's daughter, who once told Biden that her daddy changed the world. The president's order, unfortunately, only applies to federal law enforcement officers and does not apply to local police agencies. And that is not the president's purview. It does mean, of course, that more work needs to be done. The president's executive order is the direct result of Congress, specifically Republicans, being unwilling to do their jobs on taking up police reform. Still today, the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act sits in the Senate waiting to be passed. We're back after this. So it's been a rough one, but I want to end the show tonight with the impassioned words of Golden State Warriors basketball coach Steve Kerr, whose own father was killed by gun violence nearly 40 years ago. Last night, just hours after the Texas shooting, he used his pregame news conference to not talk about basketball, but to say what we as a nation are all feeling and more importantly, what our nation's leaders needed to hear. When are we going to do something? I'm tired. I'm, I'm so tired of getting up here and offering condolences to, to the devastated families that are out there. I'm so tired of the, excuse me, I'm sorry. I'm tired of the moments of silence. Enough. There's 50 senators right now who refuse to vote on H.R. 8, which is a background check rule that the House passed a couple of years ago. It's been sitting there for two years. And there's a reason they won't vote on it, to hold on to power. But I want every person here, every person listening to this, to think about your own child or grandchild or mother or father or sister or brother. How would you feel if this happened to you today? We can't get numb to this. We can't sit here and just read about it and go, well, let's have a moment of silence. Yeah, go Dubs, you know. Come on, Mavs, let's go. And 50 senators in Washington are going to hold us hostage. You realize that 90% of Americans, regardless of political party, want background check, universal background check. 90% of us, we are being held hostage by 50 senators in Washington who refuse to even put it to a vote, despite what we, the American people, want. They won't vote on it because they want to hold on to their own power. It's pathetic. I've had enough. Have y'all had enough? I've had enough. We only need four more senators. Four more. I said 11. The senator said we only need four more. That will negate mansion and cinema, and it will get gun reform passed, police reform passed, the things we want passed. That's it. That's tonight's readout. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.